we were doing seven years ago this weekend. So seven, I've got it on the calendar. <laughs> seven years ago was when we, was that when we met? Or was when we met. Was it our first date? It was our first date. Our first proper, proper date, not our first meeting up to go and see a film. With... No, no. We went out for a drink together yes. around Time Mouth. Yes. I don't think we went out for one drink. <laughs> we went out for significantly more <laughs> We went out for a drink. lot of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Had some shots. Do you remember having shots? Do you remember shots? Vaguely. I remember shots. I remember vaguely having them that night as well. <laughs> hmm. Oh, are you having, having a drink there? I am, yeah. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> keeping myself topped up. Yeah. Is that in memory of the day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a great night out. It was. It was. Yeah. We, we flowed very well. We did. There was a, well, I was about to say there was a lot of banter, but essentially there was no silence. Those are the days. And then the next day, I had to go to Chesterfield for a you night did. out. Did I remember that because you were texting your mate the entire time, who I now know, um, but texting your mate all the time, like he's going, "Oh, you'll not be there. You're not coming." And he's like, "No, no, I'll be there." And I was like, "You're never going to go to Chesterfield," but you did. Did went to see a football match. Mm-hmm. We left after twenty minutes mm-hmm. um, and got really drunk again. Yeah, um, a really successful weekend. I was the most sober out of anyone. I think I just <laughs> I think, think I you just, power through. Yeah, built myself up. I had to actually direct Rich the hotel. Um, take him home that the next night so oh, that was well that makes yeah. a change doesn't it and other people mm. taking you home well anyway i've got you a little present have you yes i know that we celebrate a more important anniversary now oh i feel bad now well this is partly in response to you buying me some nice beers a couple of weeks ago so mm, fair um, enough okay right so i've got you a nice little present oh because the amazon man came today so uh, listeners i am now holding um, an Amazon package that feels suspiciously like, if you can hear that, it feels suspiciously like a DVD. Right, let's open it up. Ooh. This didn't come today, this came yesterday. Oh, did it not? Yeah. Oh, right, because I thought you were looking out for Mr. Amazon. Yeah, I was looking day. out for my new hard drive, but yeah. That's... <laughs> but that's another story. Oh, wow. So, um, I have, I do have a DVD, and it's a film that I didn't get to go and see because... I think we're, we're still in the in the realms of bringing Blake home and not being able to go to the pictures and things like that. Yes. Uh, but you absolutely raved about this film, and I have been able to stay spoiler-free as well, which apparently is some sort of miracle because everyone wants to talk about it. And people seem to want to do funny voices as well. You do. You do a funny voice, and I had to tell you to stop. You might because need to tell people what this I'm getting thing is. there. I'm getting there. I'm, letting, I'm building up anticipation it's knives out yes it is oh thank you oh you got me the blu-ray the um, 4k ultra hd i mean we can't actually watch it in 4k but we can watch the blu-ray um, can we not no it's, fu- we not have it, that? it's for future proof it's uh, yeah we don't have a 4k tv yeah I don't even can we get one of those <laughs> we can yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 let's get one of those that's, that's the next thing on the list i mean this is quite a selfish present because i do want to watch it myself that's amazing mm. i'm really really pleased because people have been talking about it a bit more now because it has come out and I, i'm waving it about you probably hear the dvd rattling and the thing i'm gonna put it down now um, but yeah, I really wanted to see it because I don't want to be spoiled. Yes. Um, so, oh, thank you, love. Thank oh. you. That's so very kind. What a surprise. It was on the floor the whole time. I was about to put it in the bin. Oh. I saw the packaging and I thought, oh God, he's left that thing on the floor. I'll put it in the recycling bin. Yeah, so I hid it behind a table, which you've now moved to have, yeah. put your notes on for yes. this. <laughs> chilling insight that we do actually have notes for this. I know, I think we have to sometimes. <laughs> Otherwise, we would just sit here going, 
Right then, what are we doing? Although you are now looking around for something. Are you for my right? notes, yeah. Are you looking for your notes? Fair enough. Oh, thank you. That's that's lovely. And um, spoilers for upcoming episodes, we'll be watching Knives Out and reviewing it. <laughs> well, I mean, you have been watching a lot of murder mysteries recently. Yes. I came down when you were watching Death on the Nile. And I, I want you to watch that at some point. And I think at some point you were watching Father Brown, which is... Yeah, maybe I've gone back at you know how I was talking about how I've gone into renovation shows. Yeah. I've also gone into murder mysteries. So maybe that's another level of We moved house and lockdown. You watch, you watch renovation shows. <laughs> I don't really know what it says if you're we, watching we murder did, mysteries. And I'm watching yeah. murder mysteries. <laughs> anyway, mm. um I've got something that I'd like to say before we get into the whole watching television date night part yes. of the podcast. So we're on episode six now, which is amazing. Yeah. Don't think we ever thought we'd get to an episode six. I didn't think we'd get to episode one, so... That's uh... right. When I pressed the upload button on episode one, that was interesting to watch your face. Mm. But when we started this podcast, we di- really didn't know how it was going to go, did we? We, um, we didn't even know what we were going to talk about other than we had this big sort of idea that we would talk about film and then we sort of chucked telly in as well because we were watching so much telly yeah. with us not being able to go to the pictures for obvious reasons mm. and even the date night feature which is now called date night but wasn't at the time came to you just a few hours before we'd even press record for the first time mm. so for listeners who haven't been with us from episode one we've had a pretty tough year that's safe to say our son Henry died when he was six days old and his identical twin brother then spent four months in hospital in intensive care so that's the sort of the short the brief summary version of what happened to us yeah and we were really propelled into a world that we didn't even have a clue existed and we existed didn't we from sort of day to day just just buoyed by our wonderful family and friends who kept us going and also the amazing staff at all the hospitals that we attended because we didn't just attend one hospital we attended three and we had conversations that no one ever dreams of having with each other Mm. really difficult conversations but even when things were really really bad and we were sort of in a, a limbo land very sadly waiting for the worst to happen we ended up do you remember we were holed up in an old doctor's residence? I remember it very well, yeah. Because that's where they put parents who weren't able to stay on the ward, but needed to be near their children who were in intensive care. Yeah. And it took us a while to get one of these rooms. Yes. We were very, very lucky to mm. get one. But it was a bit like going back to another era. It was, it was like cub camp. Yeah. Yeah. Like cub camp when you go away and you're staying in like a hostel somewhere. Yeah. And there's like yeah. a fridge in the room. Yeah, a fridge and... that makes a noise all night. <laughs> it does that really weird tinny noise. TV that can pick up two channels. And it's st- like on the wall and it's really small. Yeah. And it was like something from the 80s. I mean, it was it was amazing to have because I don't think we'd have coped those first few weeks without. But yes, yes. It, was, it was very going back in time to a different time, I think. But even when we were, when we were there... We ended up watching, and this is in the midst of this incredibly difficult period of time, but we ended up watching repeat episodes of Bullseye. Yeah. Was it on, like, Challenge TV? Challenge TV in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And there were other shows as well. Did we watch, like... Play your cards right, yeah. uh, things like that, yeah. So TV, as 
trivial as this sounds, became something that gave us some respite from that real relentless slog. Absolutely. It gave us something for our minds to to just have a bit of a, a rest and also for us to laugh again. I think it was just like an hour where we could just ignore the fact that our phone could ring at any moment mm. and we could just escape into uh, a world of Jim Bowen making decidedly offhand comments to <laughs> really? contestants. You know how I always have my Elaine's problematic corner? Yeah. Like the entirety of Bullseye is that? The isn't Jim it? Bowen Memorial's problematic <laughs> corner. Yeah. Every time a lady's on. <laughs> just, um, but we're, like, we laughed, didn't we? But then we'd also, I think it was an opportunity for us to talk about what was happening, yes. but in a very light hearted often quite dark way as well yeah you know so really the story behind this podcast was that we wanted to do something for the two of us particularly when we were in lockdown because we've been in lockdown for such a long time because mm. even when Blake came home we weren't able to go and do the usual things that you do this was something I think we would have liked to have listened to when we were in the hospital something that would be also a bit funny to share with our mates who would inevitably think that we were a bit mad, which yeah. is probably true. And also, although we probably didn't know it at the time when we started recording these things, a space to talk about what had happened to us. Yeah. And I think as time has gone on, we've been able to share some insights into loss and grief, mm. or at least our experience of having encountered loss in a multiple pregnancy. Yes. Which really isn't talked about. We no. found it very hard mm. to find anyone who was speaking about that particular event. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I in particular really craved something that resonated with me when we were in the hospital. And even now I look for podcasts and stories about our particular experience. Yeah, I remember sitting on the sofa in the room, the room, the room. Mm. having just been left alone by the doctors mm. to get our thoughts together yeah. and picking up my phone and subscribing to Carrie Adloyd's Griefcast. Yes. Because I don't know why that was my first thing that I thought to do, but clearly we get a lot of, we clearly we experience a lot of life through the podcasts we listen to, mm. um, which sounds ludicrous now I'm <laughs> saying it out loud. No, it does. And I thought this, I was commenting on it. I'm on a, one of the bereavement groups and I was thanking someone for sharing their story because even though that story was horrific, it was a horrific story. It was so powerful and emotional and mm. sad, but there was that commonality of experience and it's that feeling that you are not alone, that there are other people out there who have had similar not exactly the same we've all got a different experience but there's someone out there who knows a little bit a yeah. little bit i'm waving my hands about a bit a little bit about that experience and can speak to you so in a sense this very unwanted very odd very unexpected experience that we've had is kind of fed into this podcast more than i think we anticipated it's kind of become what I wanted to hear when we were on the dodgy single bed in the room that looked like it was in The Shining. Yes. Back in the back in the early days of the of the hospital. And I I've been thinking about this a lot and I know we've been speaking about this a lot this week about how we address this particular issue. I think we won't always go into detail. We won't always talk about baby loss for exa- for example, which can be a very triggering statement. Baby loss itself can be a very triggering s- statement for people to hear we won't always talk about it but 
if I've learned anything about the human experience of bereavement, mm. it's to be open and upfront and honest and not shy away from the fact that this is something that's really affected us. Yeah, I, th- I don't think anyone wants or needs us to be relating our experience to, oh yeah, we saw an episode of The Simpsons mm. and this is how we relate it exactly. to our life. Yeah. But there are going to be things where, <laughs> well, there are going to be TV shows where our experience can give a, a, an outlook on this. Mm. And I think it would, I think it's useful for us as much as it is for anyone listening to it, uh, probably more so, uh, that we do put these things out into the world. And yeah. And I'm mentioning it now in particular, we've got to episode six, probably because we kind of know where we're at now. And I'm also conscious that we need to address this today especially because I know you're going to talk about a TV show that you've been watching that is precisely about grief. Yes. So I think it would be remiss of us to just walk straight into that without giving this little, this little chat, just having this chat with people who are listening. And also to say that, you know, we're conscious having had that chat about trigger warnings a couple of episodes ago when I was Mm. talking about The Nest, that we need to be conscious that other people may not be in a position to listen to what we have to say, don't want to, or want to come back to it later on. Yeah. So with that in mind, we've decided that we would put a little asterisk in the show notes next to... <laughs> you're looking at me. You're looking at me. Okay, Mark decided... No, no, no. No, no we're not going to put a French goal in there. An asterisk. An asterisk. No, he's the cartoon, he's the comic character. Asterisk. Asterisk. Yes. I've never called it that. (laughs) It's an asterisk. He's not. It is to me. What, how do you say it? Asterisk. Asterisk. I'm I'm now doubting myself. It doesn't work right in my mouth. Asterisk. I've never called it an asterisk. Mark's now looking up how to spell what I call an asterisk. Mark, I give lectures to hundreds of people. Well, this is why I'm to asterisks. I think I've written it. Oh no, you're gonna. Oh no. The main difference between asterisk and asterisk is that asterisk is a typographical symbol or glyph, and asterisk is a series of French comic books. That's the main difference. Oh, the shame. The shame. Do you feel we've undermined a lot of points? I'm 40 this year. <laughs> this is the first time this has happened as well. Yeah, ever. Because like I do this all the time. You never... Like, you you will tell me when I've got something wrong. Just probably once a week, knowing me. But never this. What never, a time for this to come up. Never grammar or pronunciation. What a time. I'm making a really, really, like, important emotional point about loss and grief. <laughs> Do you want to re-record this? No, <laughs> no, I think we'll just carry on. Anyway, I will now use the right term. And the reason I thought you were looking at me was because you had come up with the idea and I'm claiming it for both of oh, our I don't own. care about that. I'm more bothered about, <laughs> shaming, <laughs> about correcting you on my grammar because you do it to me all the time. Shame, like, what shame. word did you just use? So, we will put, let me get it right, an asterisk... Oh, it yes. doesn't sound right. I might just go back to 
the French cartoon character next to um, the point in the show in the show notes where we might be talking about something like this. Yes. Um, so a little asterisk. Risk. Asterisk. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start. Let's a little symbol to say. Star. Yeah, like Prince. Multiplication symbol. <laughs> we'll put a symbol next to. I shouldn't laugh when I'm talking about this. We'll put a symbol next to it just to give you the heads up. And we'll put a little note on our social as well for anyone who's maybe got to this point in the podcast and gone, move on, move on, time to talk about telly. Should we talk about telly? Let's do that. Watching television, watching television. So, yeah, as you mentioned, this week, Afterlife has returned. So it's a bit of a Ricky Gervais special well, this week's yeah, podcast, isn't yeah, it? With us watching yeah. Cemetery Junction. I schedule content well. I'm just going to go through my personal history mm-hmm. with Ricky Gervais. Mm. Because after The Office and Extras, he came out with what was probably the first big podcast. And if it wasn't for that, there's a probably good chance we wouldn't be sat here recording a podcast now. Mm. Uh, before, it was the most downloaded podcast in the world through The Guardian. Uh, and then he carried it on in a through a pay method with Audible. And I think that was probably opened a lot of doors into charging for podcasts. Mm. And after that, I kind of, I, I listened to the podcasts back to back and repeatedly. I've probably listened to them two dozen times each. They were my comfort podcasts for quite for quite a while. So have you gone back to them then? So it wasn't, did you just listen to them a lot at the time or have you gone back and listened to them? Probably up until a few years ago, I would probably listen to them three or four times a year. So a bit like watching, like I watched Death on the Nile, like you said, as yeah. a comfort blanket, you yeah. listen to them. I could just like have them in the background. Yeah. Okay. Until I think probably the level of podcasts have gone up. That just don't, I've got other things to listen to now, but I do still occasionally listen to them uh, every now and again. It did a few films. The Invention of Lying was all right. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. It's very much I'm Ricky Gervais and these are my thoughts on religion. Right, okay. Um, which is something obviously very outspoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Cemetery Junction, which mm-hmm. we will... I'm not going to say anything. No. And then he did Place Too Short and Derek, which I could never, ever get into. Wasn't there some controversy with Derek that he was portraying a character with a learning disability? Yes. And that in itself was a very controversial... Yeah, it, it didn't sit with me well. Mm. And then Afterlife came out. Okay. Um, and it came out last March, mm-hmm. and I watched the first episode, mm-hmm. and it wasn't for me. Okay. It was Ricky Gervais playing Tony. Um, I will probably call him Andy, because he's very similar to his character in Extras in this. Okay. So, a little bit lighter than The Office. Yes. <laughs> David Brent. Well, lighter, more, more yeah. of a More of an everyman. Yeah. Um, and he's grieving the loss of his wife, and that gives him an excuse to shout at people who annoy him. Going through the world, talking about what he hates. Brilliant. I left it because largely a lot of the things that he was talking about, certainly in the first episode, were the same things that he was moaning about in his podcast 10 years, 15 years ago. And I'd listened to it too much, so I left it. When I heard there was a second series coming out, I thought it might be interesting given our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went back and watched it about a month ago. Mm-hmm. I watched all six episodes in 24 hours, which I wow. never do. Wow. It spoke to me on whole new levels. One of the things I found hardest when we were going through our grief was when I had to explain to people who knew that we were expecting or that we had given birth but didn't know 
the how it ultimately ended mm-hmm. up. Um, there were things where people would text me saying, "Oh, how's things?" Because it's easy sex to say, "Oh, look, we've given birth to two boys." Yeah, it's really tough to send that second text to say, "Yeah, yeah so things have changed." Yes, and that manifests itself in this show as his dad, um, who's played by David Bradley. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, who, the guy who we can never remember the name of. Yes, I've written yes. it down. Oh, brilliant. Um, who's suffering from Alzheimer's? Oh. So every day when he goes to visit, he asks, "Oh, how's Lisa?" What an interesting device. It's yeah, and. It, every single thing about that just mm-hmm. rang rang true. Mm-hmm. There are scenes in the final episode of the first series where someone's really nice to him, yeah. and I that was what really set me off when we were going through it. I was just in tears whenever I got a text message saying anything yeah. nice at all. And we actually said to people, please don't be nice to us. There yeah. were times where I think I said to people very specifically, don't be nice to me tell me awful things mm. and moan about something just no niceness at all please and when i was watching the end of the first series you were getting ready upstairs mm. and I, while i was watching this and i thought if you come down now you will think that my world has ended because i was just in floods of tears i wouldn't say it was triggering it was it was nice that it was being represented on screen um and it, it really helped me i think it wasn't a total recommendation like I said, there was things that were repetitive of opinions that Ricky Gervais has been spouting for years. Does it go into religion again? Not so much religion. Um, but yeah, there are anecdotes which Ricky Gervais complains about word for word in the podcast that uh, come through so in this. So he's almost like he's re- well, you reusing your life experiences. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. that he's got his down and I'm extremely familiar yeah. with them. Yeah. Does he talk about animal rights? Because he does that a lot as Not well. Not so much, no. Did I know that there was... I think I, I think I saw a clip of this the other day and there was the addition of a dog. The dog's always been with him. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, the right, because they were talking... The there was this, There's a clip that maybe you need to see, which is an outtake of him and the dog. Oh, maybe you shouldn't see maybe it. I shouldn't maybe see that it. wouldn't be a good idea, but it was very sweet. Ricky Gervais loves a sea bomb. And oh, I right. found a sea bomb really funny. You do. If used correctly. I think in the trailer for season one, there is, very upfront, a joke that involves a C-bomb. And it's probably the best joke in the season. He then goes on to use it three times in the same episode, in the same half-an-hour episode. And it's just like the diminishing returns. Yeah, it loses its power then as well. Yeah, absolutely. The big thing is there was a subplot, which I wasn't comfortable with, but which led to one of the most unforgivable acts I've ever seen in a comedy to the point where I'm still amazed they haven't shown any consequences to this. Okay. Um, I won't wow. go into it because no, it would no, be a spoiler. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. it but is. But it's something that's really, it, you can see it in your face. Yeah, it. I couldn't believe that they did it. And then I certainly couldn't believe that it didn't end the show there because, mm. yeah. Or that anyone's talked about it because I haven't heard of anything mm. controversial with this one. Uh, so when it comes to the second season, and I've seen the first two episodes of it, it might be because I've watched season one and season two in close proximity, but there appears to have been a quite unsubtle reset this season. Season one ended really positively. It was, that's not going to be a spoiler, but he starts to see on the bright side of life. Mm. Uh, he starts to make him moves towards moving on mm-hmm. in some ways. Which he, I don't think is that's what I would have kind of guessed yeah. that. But he's now gone back a little bit. And that is obviously how people are in real life. Mm. There are, you know, they have good days and we, we mm-hmm good days and bad days and some days you feel some day you can feel brilliant and the next day you can feel awful yeah and you don't know why yeah but as part of a narrative structure it does feel quite jarring okay it does commit the same sins as season one 
the language is the same. In the first episode, they, they, he meets a 100-year-old woman played by the lady from One Foot in the Grave. Annette Crosby. Yes. Played Catherine of Aragon in the 1970s BBC TV series of Henry VIII and his six wives. See, this is what I have to put up with. It is. It's true. Um, but at least I know who she is. Who loves? Who drops a nice swear word every now and again. But the positives remain the cast. And this has one of the best casts for a comedy I can, I can remember. Who, who's in it? Is there anyone I would know? So... Without giving anything yeah, so cameos I'll, I'll, or I've, anything I've, like that. Yeah. The MVPs... Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not classing Ricky Gervais in this because Ricky Gervais's acting is fine. <laughs> but the two MVPs oh, are Kerry Godleyman, who plays Lisa, his ex-wife. She's in Save Me at the minute. You see her through videos that Tony is watching. Every night he will revisit home movies, mm. pitch their wedding, just pitch them living their mm. life. Yeah. She sparkles every time she's on screen, sometimes in extremely difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And seeing her, you can see exactly why Tony is going through it. The, okay. She plays the perfect foil for him. Okay. You could believe that they were a couple, a couple. who were enjoying life together. Yes. And, and then this thing came along mm-hmm. and yeah. But then out of nowhere comes a performance from Penelope Wilton. <gasps> Penelope Wilton. Now we know why we know Penelope Wilton, don't we? Because we've had this discussion recently where we know her from, from our childhood. Yes, The Borrowers. She's a borrower. Yeah. The BBC but... production of The Borrowers with Ian Holm. Yes. And Penelope Wilton. And Beverly Callard's daughter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, so she plays someone who visits her husband in the grave next to Lisa's grave. Okay. And she plays very much someone that he can go to, he'll sit on a bench with and talk about, talk uh, his inner thoughts to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I best know Penelope Wilson, despite, I don't really remember the borrowers. Even oh, though. that's so sad. But in Shaun Did of you the just De- carry on with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the borrower, oh yes, Lynn. Yeah. Mm. In Shaun of the Dead, um, obviously she plays very retiring. She's his mum. Yeah, and she plays it. She's quite tired, isn't yes, she? Ta- and yeah, she's a bit sick of it. She is an absolute revelation in this. Brilliant humour. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the some of the best lines in the entire show. She's the moral compass of the TV show. And it really makes me want to go back and buy a box set of Ever Decreasing Circles to see she that. In that. Yeah. I don't know Ever Decreasing Circles. I thought you were going to say you really wanted to buy the box set of Downton Abbey because she's in Downton Abbey. She's in all series of Downton Abbey. Oh, I don't care about that. I want Ever Decreasing Circles. Right, okay. Well, <laughs> you made your point there very clearly. <laughs> Wait till date night in two weeks oh, when it's God, season one no. of Ever Decreasing Circles. Because you said, is this why you said the other night that you wanted to go into TV for date night? Is that because you want to slip in a bit of Ever Decreasing Circles? Th- that wasn't my thought, but yeah, <laughs> no, you mentioned now. it. There is something else. I... This has affected me, and I can't recommend it for everyone mm. um, because of all the flaws. But for me, this I go on a roller coaster of emotions every episode of this. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? Do you find it helpful, or is it? Do you sometimes do you sit there and think, why am I putting myself through this? I don't find it unhelpful. Okay. I don't find it. I don't find it triggering. Mm-hmm. If that's the yeah, word, if that's, that's what you're looking for, yeah, I find it nice that things that I have felt are being shown on screen. Right. I think, so let's go into this. I think there was a time and I 
justified at the time, but I think I was a bit of a dickhead to a cleaner in one of the hospitals. Right. She was trying to make conversation with us. Yeah. And I think she misjudged the conversation. Yeah. I know um, what you're talking about. Yeah. I, you weren't you weren't a dickhead to her, I, just to let you know. Okay. So You weren't you were you were not your usual jolly self. But she didn't know your usual jolly self. Anyone who knew you would think Mark's being a bit subdued there. But we were in an awful, awful, awful situation. So it's a split. Look, so a cleaner came along mm-hmm. and she was starting to have a conversation with us. I was not in the mood for chatting. No. And when a twin dies, they put a sticker on the crib of the surviving twin. Yes. Um, it's called the Butterfly Project. It's a sticker with a butterfly and the name of the child who's passed away. Yeah, it's a brilliant project. It's It just helps people. And everyone, every doctor who walks up can see it on the crib. They understand mm-hmm. exactly what you've been through. And it's just nice to yeah. know that it's part of the journey that Blake had. And we don't, and you don't have to explain it to yeah. everyone who comes up. So, yeah, it was a Saturday. I remember it well. Yeah. Um, I think she was probably weekend staff that mm-hmm. hadn't been in. Mm-hmm. And she came across, she's like, oh, 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 oh it's, oh, it's the nice outside, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, how's he doing? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's doing okay, yeah. Which, yeah. at the time, he yeah. probably wasn't. Yeah, don't go away. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's his name? Look at the sticker. What's his name? Henry. And I just turned around and said, no, Henry's his brother who died. <laughs> but you were, we were very factual. And, and that was the truth. Yeah, but I knew that that was going to get a reaction that would mm. make her go away. Yeah. And of course, what we had was, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, mm. Just leave it. And I think I've I've thought about that woman probably every week since we've left the hospital. And I've thought, was I being a dickhead to her? And I think, I think the fact that it's represented mm-hmm. normalises it and it's okay to be upset yes i wouldn't rec- i wouldn't defend anything that rickage verse does because mm. it's an ex- it's an exaggerated version of what i went through mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. it, it was I, interesting it, to see that portrayed mm. on screen because you don't normally get those you might get someone shouting and screaming and wailing yeah. which we didn't do but that you don't have anything so cerebral yes mm. oh, and those tiny tiny moments those moments that stay with you yeah Absolutely. Interesting that that was, and you're saying it's in extremis in his show. Absolutely. And things that you would never have done, mm. but there was a tiny little bit that you said, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, I can feel that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm. Um, I'd like to talk a bit about Better Call Saul, which finished its fifth season, just to have a massive... Uh... <laughs> I think that's really sorry, my face has just dropped where I've gone, yeah. oh, do we have to talk about... <laughs> I don't understand what you what you like about these shows. I realise they're on like the top ten lists of the best shows ever with Breaking Bad, which I know this is like some kind of sequel to. But you watched Breaking Bad. Sorry, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm gonna know you like sitting there waiting to speak. You watched Breaking Bad. I watched some episodes with you. I could not get into that whatsoever. So I think the joy of these shows. So- you are wrong about that. Objectively, you are wrong. Because Breaking Bad is widely regarded as one of the greatest TV shows of our time. I and all it when time. you say that, because it's my opinion. My opinion isn't wrong. But objectively, it is a great TV show. <laughs> okay. Lots of people enjoy it. I do not. Yeah. And I, might, think, yeah. I think the problem is you can't just go into one episode of it. Because it is very much about the journey. And seeing the characters develop 
um, obviously Walter White starts as a school teacher and becomes a drug dealer. Some sort of drug kingpin. Yeah. And the big debate amongst Breaking Bad fans is, when did you lose sympathy with Walter White? Okay. And I think I lost it later than everyone else. <laughs> I was still somewhat cheering from in season five where he is, again, under <laughs> objectively a terrible, terrible person. Um, it's occurred to me now that I could do for the next 60 weeks of date night two episodes of Breaking Bad a week or three I would, episodes. I, the podcast would stop. <laughs> I would not be involved. You could do it yourself. You could just sit there talking to yourself. Anyway, Better Call Saul tells the story of Saul Goodman, who was Walter White's lawyer, and very much comic relief in Breaking Bad. As all lawyers should be. Mm. And Mike Ehrmantraud, who's a retired policeman who's muscle for the drug empire. Saul Goodman, we learn in Breaking Bad, actually isn't called Saul Goodman. He's called Jimmy McGill, and Better Call Saul shows him becoming, from being a con man to being a lawyer to developing into Saul Goodman, the criminal's solicitor. They add two more characters as main characters, who's Kim Wexler, who's a lawyer, starts off as Saul's love interest and that develops through the series. And Nacho Varga, who is someone who works for the Mexican drug cartel but wants a different life. And those are the four pillars that we follow all the way through this. Uh, other people come in and out, but they're the main four. I think the problem is the first season wasn't what people expected. Saul Goodman is comic relief in Breaking Bad, and people were expecting almost a sitcom, I guess. Whereas this is far more of a legal drama. Maverick lawyers who play fast and loose with the rules at times. And mistakes were made because... There is a guest appearance of an iconic actor from season one of Breaking Bad in episode one of Better Call Saul. And it's just, it's too soon to put them in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Netflix here, but it was in on broadcast TV in America. And the first episode got seven million people. Largely kept a lot of the audience from Breaking Bad. Is that good? Yeah, it's, I've, it's, yeah. I've lost track of like yeah. what is good now and what isn't. So on a on a par with Breaking Bad or That's, I think Break well Breaking Bad was a slow burn. Breaking right. Bad started to know people and then finished up with some like ten twelve million. Right, okay. By the end of the first season, that dropped to like two and a half million. Oh, okay, right. I see so the I think people sort of signed out from it. I stuck with it. It has become the best show on TV, bar none. You keep saying this. Yeah. It's become a thing to say, oh, actually, I like Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad. Is this like Godfather 1, Godfather 2? I'd say it's more like, do you know what my favourite Christmas film is? It's Die Hard. It's Die Hard? Yeah. It's showing you've got like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of an extremist view. And also you're really cine literate as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it's become the done thing mm. to say Better Call Saul is my favourite. I don't think it's necessarily better because I don't think they're necessarily comparable. I enjoy it more. In season five, they introduced a new big bad villain. And he is the kingpin of the local Mexican drug cartel. I think he is a very much a smiling villain who acts as if he's above it all. And that can be a trope and a bit of a cliche. He absolutely nails it to be just the right mix of entertaining and terrifying. And I cannot believe that this late in the game they have brought in such a worthy big bad because okay. it needed to have this threat element that there never really was. Um, and in... which season is this? This is, is season, season five, five. The penultimate okay. season. Right. This 
I think because it's a prequel, mm-hmm. I think one of the issues is that you can worry about the stakes. Mm-hmm. We know that Saul Goodman is going to make it through to Breaking Bad. We know that Mike is going to break mm-hmm. through to Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. The way that they are manifesting this is that Kim and Nacho are two of the nicest characters that we know aren't in Breaking Bad. And so we need to know what's going to happen to them. Right, okay. Kim, as the show develops, she is in a very toxic relationship with Saul to the point where you want to like just grab her mm. and say, you need to get out yeah. of this. And you see her drifting further and further away from being a really successful partner lawyer into someone who is propping up the criminal world with um, Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler. I'd never heard of her before this. If you look at her her IMDb, mm-hmm. she plays third or fourth billing on sort of a few network comedies. Okay. She is an absolute revelation. If she doesn't win the Emmy for Best Actress this year, it will be a travesty. Mm. And she will go on to win Oscars. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, there must be so many people out there who have seen who have seen Breaking Bad but haven't seen this because I've only known a couple of people who are actually talking about this. Watch it. It okay. is the best show on TV at the minute. And that's me done. And I've only got a couple of sad things to say. Not sad in a sort of a... Not sad as this podcast started. Yeah, not like that at all, but I've had some terrible time with some of the shows that I've been watching recently and I just wanted to come back and chat to you briefly about some of the shows that I've spoken about in earlier episodes where I was kind of full of beans or even at some points maybe just sort of, oh, I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm going to report back on those. Let's start with devs. (laughs) <laughs> ah, devs. That was only last week where I said I was lying in bed watching the end of it. I wasn't watching the end of it because I was desperate to watch the end, but you know, I just thought I'd do it. And then episode three the next day, and had some interesting ideas, but I wasn't quite sold on it. Oh my. I've never watched a show that's made me feel quite so depressed. Why? I think it was just cold, meaningless nothingness and it's the characters i did not care about in fact lots of them i just was like you need to just sort yourself out i kept going Mm. i kept going all the way through to episode six because i thought it might just get somewhere and i'd listened to one of our other favorite podcasts the pilot tv podcast yes and james dyer and boyd hilton of that podcast had said wonderful things about it Mm. and their other podcast host terry white had not been convinced about it and they were saying terry give it another go try it again you will love it Mm. and i thought please let that happen to me it might just you know it's alex garland it's sci-fi i should love this but i I just couldn't get behind it and i I stopped it at episode six just saying i feel low watching this it's just people in dark rooms talking very quietly yeah and there's nothing i've got here not even the sci-fi element to get into i then went and read the ending on wikipedia and felt grateful that i had stopped it at that point and then of course we have the crushing disappointment that is westworld season three i'm so sad i'm so sad do you know what makes me really sad the fact that it's been renewed for another season I couldn't believe that when you showed me the the gif of the three turning into a four mm. and me realising that there was going to be another season, that I actively went, oh, God, no. A couple of years ago, 
I would have begged for four, five, six series. I would have been... Sorry? And a movie. No, I'm not sure about a movie. There's been a movie. It's got your Brinner in it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It would have. I would have been all over it. I, I can't get into season three at all. And I've really been trying to look objectively at it. But I'm finding myself totally confused as to what's going on. And that's with us listening to really in-depth podcasts. Wonderful Joanna Robinson, David Chen, the guys from the Bold Move podcast mm. that we listen to who give these incredibly complicated, detailed descriptions of every episode. I am still utterly confused by what's going on. I don't care about any of the characters, the new characters and the old. Well, I think they've proven that they can just, if someone dies, they can just recreate them. So there's yeah. no stakes anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm literally only watching to see how they do a final twist in the season mm. and gauge how much that is going to annoy me. Yeah. Because it will. It's just a case of how far up the scale. I think there must be something going on because yeah. I can't. I don't understand it. So... Well, well, I'm hoping there's something going on because I don't understand it. That's maybe that's that's the better way of describing it. Mm. I hope there's going to be a huge twist or something is going to come to the fore where I go, ah, oh, that's why that scene and that scene don't make any sense. That's why I can't follow the plot. I'm not daft, but I can't follow follow the plot. But but good twists do that while still making the original thing entertaining. So then you go, ah, at the end, oh, of course that was, yeah. Yeah. And this, this is, isn't, this it is would just. would have to go back and show me every single scene and say, okay, that's that. And then these other scenes mean this. It still doesn't make it worth it in the long run. Even if they pull off the perfect, the perfect twist, mm. I'm still saying I'm probably not going to watch season four. I'll watch it because I love the show so much. I'm clinging on to the fact that it might come back round again. I can't not watch it. It means too much to me. I realise that's a really odd thing to say about a TV show, but it, it it's such a part of my DNA now that I have to keep giving it another chance. I think this is what happens to Kim in Better Call Saul. <laughs> Do you think I have a toxic relationship with, this... with, with Westworld? Yeah. Well, let's talk about better relationships. <laughs> Let's turn to better relationships. Well, it's, it's it's our special date night. It is. It is. And it's your turn this week. It's Cemetery Junction. Yep. Like we say, it's a Ricky Gervais special. I know nothing about this film whatsoever. How long is it? It's just over 90 minutes. There we go. Perfect. Mm. Happy date night. Happy date night. There's this ancient Arab proverb. That Whoa. Says, There's an ancient Arab proverb. Why well, you've changed. Listen, it's sweet. It says, throw your heart out in front of you and run ahead to catch it. Whatever you desire, imagine it's in front of you right now and just grab it. What's wrong with you? I'm a bit too old to be doing this. Oh, Freddie, come on, it's what we do, isn't it? It's what we've always done. Yeah, I know, but I've got a good job of work now. I don't want to lose it because I got caught drawing a pair of tits. That's what I want, sir. I don't want to end up like my dad. Mm. Got two jobs. Window cleaning, it's not a proper job. How do you make that? Cleaning windows. Yeah. Almost like begging. I'm out every night, shagging, boozing, fighting. Wiggy, Wiggy. 
Is that your mum, my love? Yeah, all right. Your dad's still around? Yeah. Okay. Do you ever think this town might have missed out on the swinging 60s? What if the world's having a party and we're missing it because we're stuck here? Free boots. Free birds. Gotta get the message. Bugger me. Bit rude. I want to do something with my life. You can't just come here and expect me to run away with you. I think I might be in love with you. Just scared to leave. I'm not scared. You're in the same house you were born in. You're in the same room, I think. Same sheets. Or here. Cemetery Junction. Michael Gibson's in this film. <laughs> Making his second appearance. Do you know he's from Hull? <laughs> I didn't even realise it was him until the credits rolled. And I, I grabbed you, didn't I? I was like pointing, going, Michael Gibson. My there was a guy, I mean, there were a lot of people in this film where I was going, who's that? Who's that? I know them. I've worked out one woman's from Call the Midwife partway through. I wasn't looking up the others. But there was one guy, and I was like, who is it? I know him. Just, like, a momentary appearance. And that's who he is. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy from Quiz. I mean, I obviously never knew that until seeing it this time. That's amazing, but, yeah. is it? We're going to see him in everything now. Yeah, it's, so you knew nothing about the cast of this. Absolutely nothing. Were you pleasantly surprised about the quality of cast? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, you've got Ray Fiennes, you've got Matthew Good. I mean, I haven't seen a film with Matthew Good in that isn't good. Okay. It, Although I'm thinking now, is he in something like Leap Year or something like that? He is in Leap Year, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that, so maybe that's the one that might uh, might change all of that. I have. It's, it's, it, it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I wouldn't watch it then. <laughs> Emily Watson Emily is Watson's a brilliant in this. fantastic actor. And Felicity Jones? This was the thing that launched it. The first time I saw her in things. Right. Um, the year after this, she made Chalet Girl, which was very much a breakout performance for her. And then a couple of years later, she was Intimidation Game. Intimidation <laughs> Game? Intimidation Game. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> Imitation Game. I've had a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cast is... It's a wonderful cast. And yes. there were a lot of character actors, like I say, who pop up that you don't anticipate being in there and maybe only in scenes for five minutes, but it, they're very authentic. They're very 1970s. Yes. And that's what I really feel about this film. When I'm, I was sat thinking, what is it about this film that I like? And you know, I love a period drama, but this really, it's a true realization. It's an accurate portrayal of a small village in the 1970s. Yes. The minutiae of the detail in the houses in particular, I was looking at the background. It's probably a film that when you watch it over and over again, you can see more and more. But in the background, you can see tubs, you can see pie dishes, you know, absolutely true to the period. The clothing isn't over the top, so it's not like the, here we're in the 70s. It's very subtle. Mm. But it's absolutely true of a small place and they don't really go outside of like three or four different locations within that village. Yeah. So you're going past the same streets all the time as you would do if you grew up in that in that area. But it's absolutely true portrayal of, you know, they're knocking on doors and there's hedges and mm. bits of hay on the floor and it looks real. Yeah. I mean, it must be a real, it is a real village. That was not a set. No. 
it must be real and it must be somewhere that has kept it sort of picturesque. Look. Yeah, it's clearly a county. If it's not, I don't know where it's filmed. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not Cemetery Junction itself, mm-hmm. it's certainly a county village that mm-hmm. a market town mm-hmm. um, that certainly kept its kept its charm. Mm-hmm. I can understand why this film resonates with you because the themes of being young, not knowing really what to do with your life, thinking about making choices. Do you stay where you are? Do you take a leap of faith and go somewhere else? Yeah, it's worth saying that I saw this and I only realised this today because we, coincidentally we're having this sort of conversation mm. and I saw this probably just as I'd accepted a job in Newcastle. And I know that Hull to Newcastle isn't as big a step as going to see the world, mm. but it was it was huge to me at the time. I'd, I'd never actually visited Newcastle when I'd seen this I'd just accepted a job to go there uh, so yeah I think that's probably why this why this connected with me so much mm. but I'd stand by it I, I love this film I I think it's got a huge amount of heart in it hasn't it it's, it's very authentic it's very simple yes. I mean I don't think anyone was expecting him to take off on a train at the end without Felicity Jones running, <laughs> running to, yeah it's got that very sort of almost rom-com ending hasn't it where the two leads eventually come together yes so let's let's start with the cast mm. uh, so the main three guys mm-hmm. um, you've got Christian Cook playing Freddie Taylor mm-hmm. the lead Got Tom Hughes playing yeah. Bruce Pearson and Jack Dewillen playing Snork. Yeah. Have you seen them in other things? So uh, the only one that I know really, I mean, I may have seen Christian Cook and uh, is it Jack Doolan? The, yes. the, sort of the, the comedic element to yeah. the three. The only one that I really know well is Tom Hughes. Do you know who Tom Hughes goes out with, who his partner is? I don't. It's one of your favourites. It's one of your favourite ladies. Oh, who is it? It's Jenna Coleman. I did not know that. They've been together, uh, I think, for quite a long time. It might be sort of four or five years. They met on, it's probably called Victoria. I think it, it is, is Victoria. called Victoria. On yeah, because he plays yeah, Prince Albert. He's Prince Albert, she's Victoria. They obviously work very closely there together. And yeah, they've been together um, since they've been making making that show. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of their relationship, but, you know, that's what my guess is. They met on that show and, and now they're together. Oh, I hate um, him. What a fabulous couple. I was just thinking when I was at, I was like, wow, he is superb in this. He was, I mean, he I was a standout. I think he's the lead. Well, you know, I, I know the other guy is Christian Cook who plays Freddie. Mm. He's your lead through the film. So he takes you through the film. He wants to better himself. He wants to get a job outside of the factory life that most people in that place are they leave school they go to the factory and he thinks well actually i'd quite like although it's door to door it's more like a desk job and an administrative job but tom hughes his performance it's so nuanced the hurt and the pain that he feels and the anger that he has the resentment that is all bottled up inside Mm. Just the the facial expressions were just... Yeah, interestingly, I'm going to show you the poster and... (gasps) Wow, okay, so he's right at the front. He is up front and centre. Yeah, even though he is not the main character, you are... He is meant to be the best friend of the guy that you are following. Absolutely, yeah. What about Jack Doolan, the sort of the comedy... Yeah, so he's been in a few things. He's in... Had a job role in Marcella. Is okay. that how it's pronounced? I don't know. 
Anna Friel. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, he's been in. Um, he was in the Hatton Gardens job. Right. Um, he's been in a TV show called White Gold. Okay. Yeah, which, I know White Gold. Yeah, uh, yeah has mm-hmm. Ed Westwick and mm-hmm. two of the guys from the In Between is mm-hmm. in. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of a bit down, uh, a bit down the card from them, but yeah, yeah he's certainly yeah. in it a, a bit, as far as I know. Um, I mean, he's, I suspect he's making a decent living as yeah. a job in actor but he's never yeah. really sort of broken through yeah he, I mean he he is a bit one note comedy foil yeah um, I think probably the same with Christian Cook he's um, what's happened with him because I don't remember seeing him in anything else but it may be he was very much styled as 1970s guy here with the long hair and maybe if he had shorter hair looked a bit different yeah different so he was in the ad- adaptation of Romeo and Juliet uh, the 2013 with the film yeah the um, Haley Steinfeld Douglas Booth and Douglas one Booth. he was okay. Mercutio in that he's a little bit Douglas Boothy actually when I was looking yes. at him yeah mm. um, he was in Love Rosie <laughs> right. uh, a rom-com with Sam Claflin and oh Sam Claflin yeah and he's in Lily that. Collins he's in that um, that realm as well of Sam Claflin um, Douglas Booth yeah Electricity with uh, Agnes Dean okay I wouldn't be surprised if we were in something like the Riot Club or you know that sort of thing yeah um, Innocent um, he's I mean he's making a career for himself yeah um, he's doing two or three things a year and I think he's probably doing alright out okay. of it but yeah I and, think I mean he for me halfway through I was thinking he's very one note I'm not really bothered about him but he gets better yes as time goes on and there's more to him he gets more to do as time goes on as well in his interactions with other characters I think he's he's surrounded by quite awful people mm. Matthew Good and <laughs> Ray, Fiennes. Ray Fiennes having a lovely time together oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of smoking yeah uh, a lot of yeah, drinking yeah. and a lot of being awful to women yeah yeah you not you're not familiar with all that that much Ricky Gervais stuff can mm. you can you feel Gervais on it I mean he's in it so I felt very much Gervais when he was on the screen playing himself. Yes. He doesn't go outside of it at all. There is, I mean, I'm talking about Tom Hughes being incredibly nuanced. Mm. You just pick up Ricky Gervais and you popped him in this film and that's it. Yeah. And he's got a few uh, comedy um, old tattoos that are sort of a bit faded. Anchors that are faded. To, to try yeah. and make him into that character. He's not yeah. that character. He's not Freddie's dad. He is just Ricky Gervais saying Ricky Gervais things. Mm. I can sense the comedy in terms of the shock comedy. So there are a number of statements that... Uh, feel very 1970s in terms of people's views that yes. we would now see as being complete aberrations. We would not um, take those things at all. We would absolutely be saying that is not appropriate and these things are, are not right to say and are, are not factually right. Um, you know, stuff that we just wouldn't put up with in this, this day and age. And I think you could, you're listening to racist, sexist, homophobic language Absolutely. and you could it could come across in a a way that's meant to get laughs and mm. it's not it's very much these people are idiots every single person who's done that is shown to be an idiot yes yeah. and, yeah. and not a nice person and the yeah. people who you are rooting for yes um yeah any standout scenes because uh, hmm. there is a big musical number in them in the yeah middle. i mean that's where my mind has gone to it feels slightly slightly different from the rest of the film. I know... That Gervais was the scene the... that stayed with me. Right. 
I think they love their music, don't they? Because yes. this is absolutely full of 70s music, proper mm. hits. It's the second time today that we have come across Saturday Night. Saturday Night's all right. For fighting right in a film, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> earlier on today, it was on Romeo and Juliet. Which we weren't watching, it was just on in the background. And you said you thought it was produced by Elton John, and as if by magic. <laughs> then, yeah. Then the track came on. So, yeah, second time we've heard a bit of Elton today. And he got mentioned quite a few times as well in this. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's an Elton day. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, that does spring to mind because it is a set piece. I think the sections that stayed with me the most as a woman are the scenes where men are making choices for women. That I think that's that was something that really stayed with me. I thought, I thought it might, yeah, when I was yeah. watching it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh. Yeah. But and actually more because halfway through I was thinking, oh, this is... Uh, in inverted commas, a boys film. This is mm. a film for uh, maybe even like younger men who are about to make those life choices. It speaks to that part of your life. Yes. And I was thinking, oh, there's not really much for women to do in this, but there is. There is. The only woman who doesn't get much to do at all is Freddie's mum, who's Julia Davis, who I think is a bit wasted. But I'd, yeah, I'd agree. She's just stuck on the kitchen table with a penny and she doesn't say anything, she doesn't do anything, even when her son's leaving, you know, to travel the world. She just sort of stands there. Yeah, I suppose she was probably just fresh off Gavin and Stacey with this. Um... But that, just because she, as an actress, isn't doing, you know, is starting in her career doesn't mean oh, that no, the main I... character's mother shouldn't have anything to say. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that she probably should have had more to do with, because she was coming off sort of the biggest hit of her career in that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a thankless role. There's not a lot for her to but do. Anne Reid, I mean, you might as well take the mother out. And, yes, and combine Reed, the two. who is the, um, the grandmother, she is phenomenal in this. She is yeah. absolutely sparking caustic wit. Mm. Reminds me a lot of women of that age who had a lot to say. Yes. And putting putting down the rest of the family members. Um so yes, I thought she, she was brilliant in it. Done up in makeup to make her look really old actually. But yes. Yeah, Felicity Jones gets plenty to do. I think she's a well rounded character. She's not just the girl love interest. Um her mother, played by Emily Watson, quiet role, subtle role, but really, really important. And I I enjoyed mm. the performances of the women. I really fell for Felicity Jones in this. Yeah, I was yeah, kind of with her all the way through because yeah. yeah, shallow girl. I even watched um, like crazy. The that was probably the next thing on. Um, it was a romantic comedy with um, Anton Yelchin, I think. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, yeah. Because, who, who very sadly died yes. um, a few years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, like crazy. And then from there, then she was straight on to. Um, she was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. and The Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. Not The Imitation Game, as yeah, previous. Yeah. <laughs> or The Intimidation Game. Yeah, yeah. Same film. But yeah, I thought it was very good-natured, had more to it than I anticipated. And things like the relationship between the copper and Tom Hughes's character, I thought was incredibly well-written. Yeah. And not something I would have imagined would have been in film like that yeah i mean that's i I hadn't strictly remembered how that storyline played out and it does sort of put your chest Mm. out and yeah Mm. i think that that moment is a big turning thing yeah yeah i'm gonna push you yeah what's your rating 
So I was hovering around a three, halfway mm-hmm. through. Okay. I think the scenes with Tom Hughes, the policeman that we talked about there, the way that the the women in the film, things paid off for them. It, it wasn't just that they were in the kitchen, mm. which a lot of 1970s period drama, that's essentially where they were. And because of the way that the the period it was so authentic, I can see you smiling. So it was this authenticity to the to the period. I'm going to give it a four. Best film we've seen so far, then. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think it is. I think it, I really think it is. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you showed me it. It's probably not one I'm gonna go back to a lot. It's not no. one I'd have on in the background because I think it deserves to sit and maybe come back to it at points in your life. Yes. Then it speaks to those points. It mm. might be something we show Blake later on in life, you know, when he's starting to think about making those sorts of decisions about, you know, do you stay in your hometown or do you leave? When we're showing him out the door. Yeah, yeah, when we're like, go, live your life. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's a few quid. <laughs> Gap year, off you go. You can be in Paris in five hours. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. give you a lift to the airport. <laughs> Four stars for Cemetery Junction. Um, yeah. Lovely. So you have been teasing all week about <laughs> what I'm going to end up watching. Yeah. So I've got a long list of incredibly random films. Like, they really are random. If anyone had a look at this list, they'd be thinking, what on earth is this? But I think I might be the person that comes up with these slightly bonkers films that we're going to watch. Is that explain to you i think it was this morning i'm getting a little bit annoyed because every time i look for one of these films on a streaming service and we have every streaming service going like yeah. every streaming so it kind of annoys me a little bit that we have all these things but then we kind of want to watch things off diff- different ones so there's part of me that thinks it's a huge waste of money and another part of me that's <laughs> like but but we need to see these things i can't find Half of the things on my list on a streaming service, probably because they're so weird, the choices that I'm making. No streaming service wants to show them because who would watch it? So I was, I was thinking, I don't want to pay £3.50. We've paid more than that for a can of beer that you got me a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. But you know what I'm like? I'll spend £100 on a dress, but I won't spend £3.50. Pennywise, pound foolish. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah. I'm terrible like that. So... Honey, we can spend £3.50. Yes. And we will in the future. But I'm going to spin date night on its head only because you have given me this wonderful gift. And I think that next week, rather than watching one of my choices, I'd like to do Knives Out. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Because I think it would be a fantastic film to talk about. You've kept it a secret for you know however many months i've not been spoiled on it i really want to watch it so if it's going to be a true date night the date night i want is knives out do would I that still be okay get, do i still get to give you my rating on it <laughs> i wonder what it would be yeah you're not, yeah. You're not having two picks for this afterwards i know, I know, I know and i know it's slightly different to what we said we would do but because you've thrown a spanner in the works with your beautiful gift, which I'm really excited about because I've been able to like hold a Blu-ray today and it just <laughs> felt physical and you know like like old school in your hand. Um, put it in the in the player. Mm. Um, I'd like to watch Knives Out this week. That's and absolutely fine. Talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. 
Absolutely, I'm more than delighted with that. <laughs> Great, let's do that then. Right, thanks everyone for listening to um, our very Ricky Gervais-centric podcast this week. <laughs> we'll see you next week with Knives Out and whatever else we can find to watch. And possibly no Ricky Gervais. And possibly no Ricky Gervais, yeah. See you later, see you bye. Later. bye. Before you go, just a reminder, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash the honeymoon pod or twitter.com forward slash the honeymoon pod. From there, you should find all the links you need to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcatcher. But apparently not Google Podcasts yet. See you next week.